Does a company's culture really eat strategy for breakfast? How about for an industry? If you have 10 people at your company putting in an extra 10%, then you have a whole full employee that isn't even coming out of your budget. In this episode, I sit down with Ashley Sikorsky, an expert in team and culture development to help frame out some thoughts and considerations for helping make 2022 the best year yet for you, your company, and our industry. This copyrighted podcast is presented by the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council. The opinions and views shared by those of non-paid guests on the business of blueberries are those of our guests and do not represent the views, positions, or policies of the USHBC. The blueberry industry is like no other, passionate, resilient, and innovative. This podcast is your source for the latest information on the management, markets, research, and technology related to blueberry production. This is the business of blueberries. Here's your host, president of the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council, Casey Cronquist. Welcome back to another episode of The Business of Blueberries, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to the blueberry industry. Now is the time of year and really a great time to dedicate some purposeful thought to the new year ahead and to get into the right mindset when it comes to 2022 and how we might make it the blueberry industry's best year ever. So I thought it would be great to have someone join me on today's episode to just kind of help us think through what it takes to have your best year ever. So joining me today is Ashley Sikorsky. Ashley is the founder of Sway Leadership, a company that our team at USHBC has been fortunate to be working with to develop our own team culture and self-leadership skills. Ashley is a certified coach who has a background in community leadership and team facilitation. In addition to her work with us, her clients include the California Ag Leadership Program, which you might remember Dwight Ferguson and I in a previous podcast mentioned her a couple of episodes ago. I am very glad to have her joining us on today's podcast. Ashley, welcome to the business of blueberries. So happy to be here, Casey. Well, I have to say, just kind of kick things off. It has been a pleasure to work with you. And I know I speak on behalf of our entire team on the work we've done in self-leadership development, cultural development at USHBC. I really feel, you know, pretty passionate about this subject area for us and the success we've had as a team and team building and what it means to develop and and focus on a team culture. And we wouldn't be where we are today if it wasn't for, you know, the role you've played in coaching and leadership development and certainly the team building you've done. So really grateful to have you with us and certainly have you a part of the Blueberry journey as I see it as part of our team here at USHBC. Thank you, Casey. And I love your enthusiasm for leadership development. It has been an honor to work with your team. Everyone is so open and engaged, and it's been truly such a pleasure to work with you all. Well, I thought we'd just kind of spend some time here talking at a high level about how you got into this business of coaching, executive coaching, team development, community development. Maybe you could talk a little bit about your background and what got you into this kind of work. Yeah, absolutely. So I was really set on having a career in higher education. I knew I liked the process of growth and seeing people learn a subject and really change their mind about something. And as I was pursuing this field 
of education and kind of dabbling around nonprofit work and community development, I found that I actually didn't like how a lot of organizations were run and how a lot of leaders lacked training. And these were things that I was just silently observing and didn't realize I had a true heart and passion for until we had facilitators and trainers come to the company and lead a retreat. So people that were hired on to do insights training or DISC and Myers-Briggs. And I just lit up during those sessions. And actually, I found that my last job that I was working in before branching off until becoming an entrepreneur, my two favorite days of year were when we did our biannual retreats and someone was hired to come in. So I was living for these professional development days. And then I asked my boss at the time, you know, can I facilitate some of these? And at the time I was getting trained in one-on-one coaching because I liked this individual contact. And long story short, it kind of all merged together, this idea of team trainings and one-on-one coaching in what is now Sway Leadership. As a company, we have a handful of different Sway associates. These are coaches, consultants, and different facilitators who are interdisciplinary in nature. So some people teach the Enneagram framework. Some people focus more on -on one-on-one coaching. They're licensed for, you know, giving therapy in specific states and others in consultant work and organizational restructuring. And it's this idea way came together as, oh, you know, I am just one individual person and I work with teams, but what would it look like to have a group or team of interdisciplinary folks coming together to give organizations a more holistic view at their own personal and professional development? Well, and I certainly feel like that has been a recipe for success over the last year for our team of just understanding, especially today when people are talking about that work-life balance and, you know, we we had... one of our recent guests, Gunnar Avanellis, and it talked about the great resignation and just how important it is to, in their case, empower their employees, you know, by creating a framework of employee ownership. In the case of our organization like ours, it's development of that self-leadership and that culture and that kind of long-term approach to, you know, building a well-balanced organization that people want to be a part of. They want to be, you know, a part of the vision of the organization. And so when you help companies or organizations like ours with this sort of leadership and culture, what does that mean exactly? Is this a, a cut and paste approach that you take into working with companies? What what's Sway's philosophy on helping organizations like ours with leadership and culture? Yeah, I I don't think it's a one size fits all and where a lot of coaches and consultants fail is their lack of curiosity and asking questions. So I come in and even though I don't have perhaps a set curriculum and how I'm going to work with a company, there's different options and things for people to pull from, but how we go about it is really what I'm after. I do have a set list of questions that I ask people. So I know this is a cheesy question, If you had a magic wand, if anything was possible, how would you like to see your team functioning? What are you accomplishing when this is happening? What are your current team dynamics like? What's working? What's not? 
And I ask people these questions and it's helpful. A lot comes up, but then I cross check those questions with the team. So I'll send out surveys and ask the team similar questions and tell them, Hey, I'm an ombud person. I'm this third party that's coming in. Anything you say with me is confidential, but what would be helpful for me to know? Any notable dynamics or struggles or successes, right? Really, what we try to do here is candid leadership, having open curiosity, practicing being vulnerable with one another. So in that way, those are recipes for success on any team, but how we go about it then might look differently company to company, depending on what comes up in those initial conversations. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to talking about some more practical tips that everyone listening to the show can implement. But before we get into that, let's take a quick break for our crop report. The harvest in South America is well underway, and we continue to receive weekly updates from our colleagues there. So here, once again, is your Blueberry Crop Report. This is your Blueberry Crop Report, an update on crop conditions and markets from important blueberry growing areas. Today, you'll hear from Luis Vegas in Peru and Andres Armstrong in Chile. This was recorded on January 12th, 2022. Hello, this is Andres Armstrong from the Chilean Blueberry Committee. We are reporting the Chilean Blueberry uh, Crop Report up to week 52, January the 2nd. Chile exported 18 million pounds of fresh blueberries during week 52. This is 12% less than the same week of the previous season. The fruit exported up in week 52 was mainly destined to the U.S. with 43%, followed by Europe with 35% and Asia with 20%. So far the season, however, Europe continues to hold the major part of the shipments with 42% of, of our fresh blueberries, 39% to the U.S. and 16% to Asia. Until now, there has been less supply from Chile in the different markets. However, promotional volumes are arriving this week to all markets. The getting fresh blueberry share of the week was 9%, of which 70% was shipped to the U.S. and 26% to Europe. So far this season, the export of fresh organic blueberries has reached 18 million pounds, which represents 11% of the total fresh exports. This is our report up to week. 52. Thank you very much. This with the crop report from Peru up until the end of week one from 2022. Peru has uh, shipped up until the end of week one of 2022 a total of 452 million pounds of fresh blueberries worldwide, representing a growth of 33% in volume compared to our previous season. From this overall volume, 54% has been shipped to the U.S. What happened during the first week of 2022? Peru has shipped a total of 6.8 million pounds of fresh blueberries. Uh, from this total uh, volume shipped, 60% uh, has been sent to the U.S., uh, accounting for approximately 4 million pounds, which are expected to arrive to the U.S. market during the last week of January and the first week of February. So that's the report for the first week of this year. Thank you. Well, thanks so much to our colleagues who take the time to participate in these reports. As a reminder, you can go to the new USHBC website where you'll find our Data and Insight Center to see more data of what's happening in the blueberry industry.
We've made this snapshot view of the USDA data on production and price an online resource for everyone to access easily and quickly. Make sure you go to ushbc.org forward slash data to check that out. Now, back to our featured conversation with Ashley Sikorsky. Ashley, part of a leader's job is to build culture. Is it true that culture actually eats strategy for breakfast? Yeah. I heard an interesting stat or theory recently from a consultant that said, if you have 10 people at your company putting in an extra 10%, then you have a whole full employee that isn't even coming out of your budget. And I think people who show up and are satisfied with their work and they're happy to be there, they're doing a job that suits who they are. The mission of a company aligns with their personal mission and what they're about, what they want their life to be about. They're involved in shaping the culture of the company. They have this buy-in to the mission because, heck, they're a part of the mission. They're a part of the culture that's being created there and not just being created, but lived out. And so they're going to put in that extra 10%. It reminds me of this top-down leadership that we were talking about, I think, before we were recorded. It's like old management, old leadership styles. It's top-down. Well, anything the boss says goes, whatever the mission statement is, whatever the goals are, and there's no friction. There's no pushback. There's no whole collaboration that's happening with the staff. And of course, the heart of the organization or the ethos of the organization just flows right out of the heart of whoever the CEO is. But also, if you want a culture to be not CEO-centric, but more collective and AKA lasting, you know, you're going to be inviting your staff into it and then having higher retention. And so in that way, yes, to answer your question, I think culture can eat strategy for breakfast and outwin <laughs> what one person wants a whole group of people to be doing. And to kind of segue into something I know that you know, you believe in helping build culture is the power of the Enneagram. And uh, that's something that I've gotten really familiar with over the last year in our work together. Uh, something that, you know, I could nerd out on a lot of this stuff, as you described, you know, different strength finders and the Colby and ways in which we can do tests at work or personality tests that help us do kind of workplace assessments. But you leverage the Enneagram, and we'll put this in the show notes for people to take a look at, but maybe you can talk about what that is and how you use it. Yeah, the Enneagram is a personality framework and theory that gives nine archetypes of behaving and thinking and fears and motivation. And so it gives language to what our inner tapes are telling us that I'm not good enough or if I do really well at work, then I'll feel like my life has some worth. Or these kind of more deep, intense thinking patterns that each one of us as human beings have. And it teaches us when that can be leveraged to really get us where we want to go. And where is that holding us back? And really, where does it have too much power over us and we're feeling like stuck or facing an obstacle? So it's my favorite tool to use with teams and also individually. I've been 
personally using the Enneagram in therapy and coaching and just my relationships for the past 10 years. And one of the reasons why I've introduced it to my clients that way is because it's the most transformational and perennial tool that I've come across. Well, and I'll double down on that just to say that I have found it to be the tool, at least working with you, that gives people like me and the people who take it and the people who come to use it and understand it the most hope that you're not just typed out to be something that isn't, you know, evolving or able to grow or, you know, leverage strengths, understand weaknesses, but you know, in your relationship with others who have different types, you know, and this isn't the case, the one through nine, I'm a type three. And I kind of jokingly say I'm like a recovering three for the achiever type that makes me who I am. And so that's because, you know, they all have strengths and weaknesses. And when you consider, you know, either an unhealthy three or the way in which the three can operate, there's just this spectrum and each number that gives people, you know, some considerations about who they are and where they're at on the spectrum you know, what they reach for in terms of like, I know there's the wings, we don't have time to get into all of that today. But it's a really impressive tool for I think companies uh, like ours that are using for consideration about the people we work with, you know, and who we are in relationship with them, and how the types interact with each other. And, and so I just have found that part of what your approach to our team, and certainly those clients that benefit from working with you through the Enneagram has been very, very revealing very powerful, very, I think, instrumental in the development of that team culture. And I would say that, you know, that extension of our team into our industry in terms of our role at USHBC, it has been that kind of extension of self. And uh, it's just been a really interesting way for us to get to know each other because, you know, we're obviously a fairly new team of working together. I'm, you know, haven't been here all that long. Working with our industry, working with my staff here at the USHBC, it's just been a really great tool for us to be able to put words to and discuss our working together. So I've really enjoyed the tool. Yeah, it's a powerful one. And I've appreciated how members on your team, they've really used it as a personal self-reflection tool first. So I'm working with a company right now and they're so goal-oriented. They're like, how can our team apply this? And I told them, you know, for the first year, self-observe. See where you see your type's patterns showing up. And really when you have those like deep aha moments, like you've had, Casey, like you're talking about being a recovering tree. So somebody who is very achievement-oriented, like what does it look like to slow down? <laughs> what does it look like to fail occasionally? <laughs> and each type has those things that are really difficult for them. Yeah. Well, I want to take a quick break for our marketing boost. We'll be right back to this conversation in a moment. But for now, here's USHBC NABC Vice President of Marketing and Communications, Jennifer Sparks. Thanks, Casey. Let's talk nutrition. With health and nutrition being key benefits of blueberries, National Nutrition Month in March is a natural fit for USHBC to rally around and leverage as our first power period of 2022. An annual education campaign developed by the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, Nutrition Month plays an important role in USHBC's strategy to promote blueberries, not just as healthy, but as a way to impact overall wellness, no matter what that looks like for different people. 
But why am I talking about this in January when it's two months away? Because our Nutrition Month Toolkit, custom tailored for the blueberry industry, is ready for you to implement into your planning for March. It's our promise to have our materials and resources available to you six to eight weeks prior to any power period that we're promoting. You can find the toolkit at ushbc.org slash nutrition month. The toolkit includes social media graphics and suggested captions for easy posting, digital ads and banners to use on your website in newsletter content or in digital marketing materials, delectable recipes to inspire experimentation with fresh flavors, blueberry images to use in all your marketing materials, downloadable tip sheets to share the health research and benefits of blueberries with consumers and health professionals, and QR codes to add to your packaging or share in digital promotions to automatically take consumers to ideas to grab a boost of blue, recipe inspiration, health benefits, and more right at point of sale. From the toolkit, marketers can also download USHBC's national campaign plan to capitalize on our activations for your own plan. Check it out, ushbc.org slash nutrition month. This has been your marketing boost. Thank you for your partnership as together we inspire the world to grab a boost of blue. Casey, back to you. Thanks, Jenny. Now back to today's episode with Ashley Sikorsky. I know you have to go and I just want to see if there's anything else maybe... As we think about 2022 from your perspective, you know, what are the couple things that our blueberry industry should consider going into the new year? Yeah, during this time, it's always great to take stock and look at this past year and ask yourself, what would I like to repeat? When I think about the rhythms that I had, what really worked for me? And what could use some small tweaks or changing? And then like you and I, Casey, were talking about casting a vision. So after taking talk and time reflecting, really looking at 2022 and asking yourself, if I had a magic wand, in five years, where would I want to see the blueberry industry? And what's my part in that? What's my part in that? in 2022? Who needs to be involved? When do I need to do X, Y, and Z? And coming up with a plan. So casting a vision, taking stock. And we mentioned the pandemic earlier. Something I've been encouraging people to do is assessing their fear. So there's this sneaky undercurrent that's happening with people's emotions, I think honestly at this collective or global level where it's like, is there going to be another massive heat wave? What's that going to do to my crop? You know, I don't know what the type of fears that might be coming up for the folks who are listening, but really just being honest and being curious with yourself and assessing fear and figuring out what do you want to do with it? Is it something that needs to pass through you? Or is it something that's like, no, this happened one time. I want to hold that, but I don't want it to be in the driver's seat. And it's one of the things that we even talk about with like our emotions, right? Our emotions are teaching us something. And that's why it takes time for us to pay attention to them. And then asking ourselves, well, what do I want to do with this? What is this teaching me? No, that's good. I think for everybody listening, uh, those are three things that we can certainly, you know, spend some time in this 
window that we have where things kind of slow down, you know, between Christmas and New Year's and certainly the end of the year. Everyone's kind of just having that opportunity to kind of reflect on the year we've had and the year we want to have ahead. And I just thought this would be a great time for folks to hear from you, Ashley. And I know you've done a tremendous amount of work and have had a real impact here within our team and our organization. And I think our industry has benefited from that and the role we play as an organization. So I just wanted to invite you here to kind of share some of that with the rest of our audience and just encourage people to take some time and be purposeful and just be thinking about the way they want to see the new year go. And I like what you said about the connection of what's your part to play in the new year in the industry? Where do you see yourself fit? Where do you want to see the industry go? And and how, how can you help us get there in terms of growing the success of our industry and the vision that obviously we just announced recently as our strategic plan of making blueberries the world's favorite fruit. And again, to your point of just kind of making sure that we're thinking through what does that look like and what are our next steps to make that actually happen. So this has been a great episode. Again, thank you so much for taking the time to be with everyone else here today who I certainly know have benefited from hearing from you and learning more about the work you do and the work you do for companies and certainly the Enneagram, which has been a a great tool for our team to learn more from. So thank you, Ashley. Thanks for what you do. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Casey. Well, I really appreciated this kind of brief opportunity to grab Ashley before the new year, before we start heading into all of the goals and expectations that we've set for 2022. But I just think that coaching culture and that conversation about self-leadership is a really important one as we head into 2022. Uh, We think about it a lot here at USHBC. How are we helping lead the industry's culture? And that's kind of an inside out approach. You know, our, our team needs to be thinking about these things for ourselves. And then how does that then go out to the industry? And it's certainly my hope that our industry has experienced that from our team as we invest in this effort of coaching culture and self-leadership. But the other thing I want to highlight about what was discussed is as I've experienced myself in the past 18 months to two years going through the pandemic is the vulnerability of business or being vulnerable in business. And we've all had to be dependent on others for certain things over the last year and a half because of the circumstances that this pandemic has created. And it's created a lot of extra work and effort to kind of address the challenges our team has faced, the employees that we have. It really has been a lot of extra effort that typically we weren't facing in a pre-pandemic environment. But it just requires us to be thinking differently. And I just encouraged Ashley to come on today and talk a little bit about that work with us, the work that she's done in helping our team, but certainly the work that organizations like hers help in establishing for other companies. So just some thoughts as we head into the new year on ways in which, you know, it's important to be considering of our individual company cultures, our industry culture, and why that's important in order for us to really be performance oriented and achieve those goals and objectives we have for our companies and our industry in the year and years to come. So thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week with more innovation, collaboration, family, and hard work right here on the Business of Blueberries. Thank you.